Winter was here, but we are just getting started with our rewatch of Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 6, Beyond the Wall. And now here are the two guys who never get tired of whinging. I am uh, Rob Sestrino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? The whinging of winter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's all that I've done since, I don't know, when did you and I start podcasting together? Like 2013, 2012? We've just been whinging together mm-hmm. ever since. Yes, but artfully so. Ah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just outright whinging. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to try and rosy this <laughs> thing up where it can't be rosy. <laughs> I think that there is an art to it, and uh, I feel like that uh, you and I, have, you know, find the, find the balance. We're pretty good. I mean, I don't think that we are quite as precise with our whinging as the Night King is with an ice lance, but it's close. Yeah. All right. I have a lot to say about this episode, and uh, I, I did enjoy it on the rewatch. And we talked about this. Uh, it was two weeks ago that we last talked about this. I know that you were not super excited about this one uh, coming back in. How did the rewatch hold up for you, Josh? I don't remember if I had said it at the time uh, or not, but I think it's better on a rewatch. I think I think the episode plays better in retrospect, and I think it plays better when it is like um, watched swiftly with the rest of the season. You know, when I when I did my first uh, rewatch of season seven before you and I started doing the weekly rewatch of season seven, uh, I I really I, I the issues that I typically have with this episode or with the season in general, which is a lot of like the the flight times and all of those logistics that can be a little weird and wonky didn't bother me quite as much i think that beyond the wall is a very strong episode uh for much of it Mm -hmm. i think that the sansa and Arya stuff is really awful super weak really weak uh some of the some of the fight stuff is is a little whatever they really do uh uncle benjamin pretty dirty i think uh (laughs) In this episode, he really gets kind of a raw deal for uh, Benjamin. But there's there's a lot in here I mean, that I think he is deserve a better deal. Uncle Benjamin. Yes. Yes. A sli- at the very least, a slightly better what? deal than what was he than, in two episodes? He's a Stark. He's Ned Stark's brother. Well, uh, look, he's John's a, a, uncle. A lot of he's Starks a- have more to complain about than Benjamin Stark. Yeah, but Benjamin Stark was cooler than a lot of Starks. I mean, he was a ranger. He was first ranger of the Night's Watch. This mm-hmm. guy goes missing for so long. He becomes half zombie, half dude, and he saves Bran, and it's very cool. And then he shows back up for all of five seconds Got where timing where John literally says, Uncle Benjamin and Uncle Benjamin says, get on the horse. And John says, come with me. And Uncle Benjamin says, there's no time. And then he's ripped to bits. Mm-hmm. And that's it for Uncle Benjamin. And that is the that is the resolution to the Uncle Benjamin storyline. So I do think he got done dirty. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good with Benjamin. I got a, a million other things to worry about with Game of Thrones than Uncle Benjamin. Uh, man, remember when we talked about Uncle Benjamin in the in the context of Bone Thugs and Harmony earlier mm-hmm. in the season? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that a great podcasting moment. That was really good. <laughs> OK. All right. So let's go back through this episode. Uh, this is the penultimate of our rewatch episodes. Next time out, we will discuss the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, Josh. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's almost, it's almost upon us. It's it's wild it's wild to even consider that okay all right so the episode begins with everybody uh heading north out from east watch and 
Josh, I, I feel like that there's so many of these little vignettes that are that are so fun. These, you know, character moments at the start of this episode. And I, I feel it very hard to watch this and not have a big smile on your face. All of this stuff is great. Uh, the character interactions are fantastic where people like are dunking on Gendry because he's a little dumb. Uh, you know, Tormund being really funny with the hound, uh, like the whole moment of like, oh, you do know her. Like there's just mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of fun stuff here. Seeing these character interactions is great. Uh, Barrick, who has so much gravitas, uh, you know, in his conversations with Jon Snow about the great enemy and the the shared bond these two guys have from having been killed before, but only temporarily. It's great. It's super fun to see, uh, you know, this like uh, sort of like Kurosawa seven, uh, you know, to together it's really fun yeah anything strike you as a uh, super important from these conversations other than uh, all of the stuff that's fun uh yeah i mean i think that there's you know i think a lot of it is just kind of character building uh you know I, th- I think it's 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 not so much there's anything here that i think is going to be massively important for the future i think the fact that john snow and barrick are going to have that conversation about the you know sort of the nature of death and why they're still here i still feel like something has to pay off with that mm-hmm. and i don't think that this episode satisfies that yeah I think also uh, the scene with uh, John and Jorah as uh, they're walking where they have the discussion about uh, the Lord Commander Mormont and uh, John tries to give Longclaw over to Sir Jorah and he refuses it. You know, you know he wanted you to have it. He uh, says to Jon Snow May it serve you well and your children after you, which I think is uh, interesting uh, considering, you know, that uh, I don't know if we have a confirmed conception with uh, John and Danny, but I think that's what we're leaning towards at the end of next week's episode, right? Have I said, uh, I mean, certainly they have six at the end of next week's episode, <laughs> as Barry Lankin might tell you. See, people uh, say that we don't ever talk about the sex on the Game of Thrones podcast. Oh, I thought you said people don't say that we don't talk enough about Barry Lankin <laughs> on this podcast, but here you go. Sir Barry. Uh, you know, they certainly do. Of course. Absolutely. That happens. And uh, the, in the bolt. Right. Barristan Lincoln. Uh, you know, Daenerys, we are we've been led to believe cannot conceive children based on the the Miri Mazdur of it all. Um, and I think that it's fair to to at least speculate that 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 may not be the case forever and that Jon Snow could be the father of Daenerys's eventual unborn child. Um, and I, I, I hate do- Mary Mazdur. Yeah, she's a I big know. liar. Yeah, she's a big she, liar. Why do we take everything she says at face value? She also said that she was going to uh, uh, fix Khal Drogo. That was a lie. Yeah, she. I mean, she made sure he lived. I guess. Like, come he on, come he on. He could have stayed that she's way. She's a trickster. She is a trickster. Uh, so yeah, I think she's. I think Daenerys will probably eventually be pregnant with Jon's child. There's, you know, three heads of the dragon that would track. Um, and I do think that Jon Snow will die again permanently before Game of Thrones is over. I do more and more think that Daenerys will be the queen of Westeros when this is all said mm-hmm. and done. And so I think that there's there's something compelling about the idea that Jon Snow, heir to the Iron Throne, child of Rhaegar Targaryen, won't be around by the end of this thing, but maybe his offspring will. And maybe that is the prince who was promised. Okay. 
All right. So we, I like it. I think it could work. We uh, go back to Winterfell. We're going to go back forth to Winterfell for a lot of Arya and uh, Sansa standoff and a lot of tension there. And Arya is going to monologue a little bit here, Josh. Yeah. And she was like, oh, remember when I was shooting a bow and arrow here and it was super cool and Bran was terrible at it, but I was really good at it in case you haven't watched the first episode in a long time. Mm-hmm. And remember how all of these great people who are still alive were watching like our dad. He was here. He was smiling because he knew that me being good at archery was cool. Even if the rules said that it was uncool, he knew it was great. Uh, man, I miss that guy. He's dead. And it's because you did it. You did it, Sansa. You helped kill him. Yeah. And Sansa's like, wait, what? Yeah. So she has this note. And Sansa tries to explain, look, that was written under duress. I was a kid. I did. I did what I had to do. I I thought that they told me it was going to save Rob. And Arya is like, oh, did they put you on the rack? Did they torture you to to get you? Because I would never do something like this for the Lannisters. For instance, if I had to be Tywin Lannister's uh, servant and cupbearer, I would never do something like that for uh, to help out a Lannister. Uh, well, never. They would have to about, kill me. About that. About that. Yeah. I don't know, Arya. Seems a little inconsistent with your own story. Oh, yeah? Well, how could I be a hypocrite if that doesn't happen in the books, then? Uh, were you wearing a different face that mm-hmm. day, Arya? Yeah. I mean, Arya is being so uh, stubborn about this. I don't know if there's any kind of recontextualization of this arc that will make it better. Uh, I have yet to find it. I, I think I think the idea that Arya is having a hard time fitting back into Winterfell, I think that's compelling. I think uh, certainly considering the journey she's been on through, you know, uh, six going on seven full seasons of Game of Thrones up at the point of this episode, mm-hmm. uh, that that would make it hard for her to reacclimate yeah. to, to like noble life and being somebody who is part of a very important family rather than just being like a road warrior the way that she has been. I think that there's a lot of incredible drama to mine from that. And I think that the way that they choose to drill into it is just baffling when it feels like there's got to be like an ocean of oil beneath the surface of that. And they just choose to like drill into like a cement wall. It's going to yield nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very, it's very odd. I think you just pointed out one of the flaws in the argument with the cupbearer stuff of it all that Arya had a shot at Tywin Lannister, didn't take it. So why would she say like, I would have let them kill me before I betrayed my family? Um, doesn't make sense. I do. I do love the, the juxtaposition of Sansa, what she has survived versus what Arya has survived. Mm-hmm. I just I still just really don't like the way that it comes across here in this scene. Yeah. I mean, look, if Sansa did have ulterior motives of that, she was plotting some sort of a power play in Winterfell, then maybe it's a different story where maybe, you know, Arya is right to have these suspicions. But as far as we understand, right. I mean, is Sansa considering something, some uh, like underhanded move against John? No, she's not. 
She's not. And that's like the whole moral of the story is that the moment she realizes what Littlefinger is trying to do, she kills Littlefinger. Right. You know, she she has him executed. There's no coup that's developing in Sansa's mind. There are thoughts from Sansa of like, I don't think that John's making the right calls here. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I have a better vision for what's going on and how do I explain that and how do I defend his positions? That doesn't make her a traitor. It makes her a free thinking adult. Because Sansa, I also feel like, behaves like a guilty party in this episode. Yeah, definitely. It's just, it's it's odd. The whole thing is odd. And I, I think that the presentation of it is really inelegant and um, does, does the viewer no favors in terms of being able to, uh, like, cleanly, clearly read it the way that I think it's intended to be read. Yeah. Like, could you imagine if, you know, way back when in like uh, the second season, we were like, yo, hey, Josh, great news that Arya and Sansa are finally going to get back together in season seven. Like, oh, that's going to be so awesome. Like, And they're going to fight with each other over how Winterfell is being run. Yeah, I think what? it's. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that it it may be a sign that they are running out of things to do with these characters. You know, as mm. as we're looking at ahead at the final season, I wonder what that says about what they're planning for Sansa and Arya. I think that they need to get Sansa and Arya back on the same page, but in a way where their bond is is really strong. And I think that they are much stronger by the end of this season. Uh, I think maybe that's going to help matters if they are to be uh, working in unison or if they are to be cruelly ripped away from each other at some mm-hmm. point, which is what I'm seeing, uh, which is what I think is going to happen. Um, but they just do it in a way that's just kind of a, a wet fart. To be honest. Also, you know, creepy brand could have uh, really helped this situation. I think a not so bold prediction is that the Winterfell storyline of the final season will be a lot better than the Winterfell storyline of the penultimate okay. season. <laughs> Good. All right. Let's yeah. get back to the stuff going on uh, beyond the wall. Uh, we touched on the conversation between uh, Tormund and the Hound about how Tormund uh, tells us, uh, at least for the first time, that he wants to get with Brienne, wants to have monstrous children with her that will rule the world. Yeah, he also, babies. he also calls him, you're the one they call the dog. <laughs> I love that. That's one of my favorite lines in Game of Thrones. Yeah. And you mentioned the conversation between Beric and John about what, you know, what's the point of us coming back? And Beric tells Jon Snow that he's not fighting for any king or a god. He's fighting for life. Yeah, we're soldiers in the fight for life. Death is the enemy, the first enemy and the last. John says, we all die. And Beric says, the enemy always wins, but we still need to fight him. That's all I know. You and I won't find much joy while we're here, but we can keep others alive and we can defend those who can't defend themselves. Uh, and I do think that what Barrack is describing here is not just uh, Barrack's own arc, but also John's ultimate arc. That that feels very true to what we've gotten to know from Jon Snow over the course of several seasons now from the jump, really emo Jon Snow used to be a joke. Uh, but I think that there is some truth to the fact that John is a guy whose fate is uh, consigned to some level of misery, uh, but hopefully to the benefit of others. 
I don't think that John will know much joy in this life. Uh, even though he hails from the tower of joy, I think that perhaps that is, that is part of the great irony of this man. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> okay. So they ultimately will reach the point that the hound recognizes from his vision. Uh, that's the arrowhead that I saw in the fire. So we must be here. So we'll come back to these guys. Uh, we'll check in with uh, Danny and Tyrion. And uh, Danny is telling Tyrion how much she likes him because you know what? I like you. You are not a hero. She's kind of really uh, unintentionally mean to Tyrion at yeah. certain points in it's this. Kind scene. of a roast, yeah. It's a, and it's not a very funny roast either. <laughs> yeah, so uh, like a Comedy Central roast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know why I'm uh, uh, shading the uh, Comedy Central roast, but they're uh, not great. Yeah, they're not great. Yeah, He's Comedy like, Central you doesn't sign our checks. Yeah, yeah. But she's like, uh, you know, you are not a hero. And, and, and that's what I like about you, because you know what heroes do that uh, they go off and do stupid things and then they die. They die. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she also like make a height joke? Yes. Uh, well, they, when we get to talking about Jon Snow, because then the, she like rattles off all of these heroes who went off to do stupid things and, and died like uh, like uh, Khal Drogo, uh, for instance. And then uh, we have Jon Snow in this category as another person who does stupid things and dies. And uh, Tyrion says, yeah, and they all fall in love with you. She's like, Jon Snow is not in love with me. Yeah, guess what? Yeah. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes. And then she out of nowhere comes out with, oh, he's too little for me, Jon Snow. And Tyrion's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for that. Now, I know Kit Harrington is uh, not exactly uh, Shaquille O'Neal in terms of the height department, but I feel like that Jon Snow's height has never been mentioned in the show before, has it? Yeah, it doesn't have to be mentioned in the show for it to to be a thing. Yeah, but I feel like that he's five eight, five five eight. Yeah, he's is, five eight. That's what Kit Harrington is. Kit Harrington's five eight. This is a kind of short guy, I mean, and I say this as somebody a, who's a shorter. Show. Yeah, yeah, you know. So okay, so shorter guy. All right, Danny is not into. Uh, how how tall are you, by the way? A uh, five ten. Yeah, so you're you're taller than Jon Snow. Jon Snow is sitting right in the middle of us. Mm-hmm. Literally yeah. right now, he's here. He just <laughs> prefers not to speak on the podcast. Yeah, and so Jon Snow is uh, not in love with Danny, according to Danny. It's like, come on, come on, stop yeah. it. Let's you know, let's not let's not beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but but this is, you know, Tyrion wants to, you know, you get a couple of wines into Tyrion and he's ready to to talk turkey uh, or talk baby dragons, as it were. And he wants to talk to, you know, he wants to get more of a sense of Daenerys of like, what are you planning? Where is this going to go? Where where are we you know, what are we thinking about, like, dynastically? Uh, you know, are you going to are you are you going to marry somebody? Are you going to have babies? And she's like, let's not talk line of succession right now. That's a different show. It's a good show, but that is, it's got nothing to do with Westeros, except it's also on HBO. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so she's, we'll not even have this conversation. And, and in fact, she's insulted. She feels like, wait, why are you worried about the line? Of, oh, oh, who do you want me to name as the ruler in case I die? You? He's like, I mean, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta choose somebody. Or somebody know? else that you can get in their ear to conspire against me. Yeah, listen, if if I was there at the battlefield and there were arrows being shot at you and you and the dragon almost fell and died, and if you had died, this whole thing ends. So mm. can we, like, you know, figure out some sort of solution where we don't have to worry about that so hard? Please. Yeah. Okay. So talk about it. She's just shutting it down. We end of conversation. What do you what do you think Daenerys's plan would be in this moment if she were to like speak honestly uh, and not be so offended by Tyrion? What do you think her plan for is like the dragon going to rule dragons in charge? I don't know who's next in line after Daenerys. I think if she kind of had her pick, probably uh, Missandei. I think that that would probably be her uh, uh, VP. Queen Missandei. Yeah. Why, I mean, why not? Does the hand take over if there's some sort of like a, I mean, didn't, I mean, isn't there already a secession plan? So is Tyrion in charge? I I mean, I guess not. I guess if the king dies, like the hand of the king doesn't take over, but sort of like, isn't like the hand of the king like functions in the king's absence? Look, I think the truth is if Daenerys dies, then uh, Cersei probably stays in charge. Right. There's no claim, but you know, once, once in power, I'm not sure exactly uh, how this works in a situation where there is uh, no next of kin. Either way, she's just not here to talk about it at all. Yeah. It's like, why are we talking about this? Come on. That's not, not even going to happen in uh, these uh, next six episodes. That's for uh, some sort of a future Game of Thrones project Ooh, to figure out. Whoa, Game of Thrones future? Like, that sounds fun. Uh, like a, a new Game of Thrones show that's set like 5,000 years in the future and they've got flying cars to go with their flying <laughs> dragons. Yes, yes. Let's see what I'm happens as things really progress in the Westeros timeline. That's a cool idea. Okay. All right. We're going to really get some action going on here because uh, we spot something in the distance. What is that? Is that a, is that a dog? Is that? It's the dog. It's the dog. Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's a blue-eyed bear. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a blue-eyed bear, and it's it's angry. Careful, yeah. Mac. He's angry. He's angry. Yeah. This is pretty terrifying. Uh, zombie polar bears are attacking. Zombie bear is definitely screwed up. I feel like this is probably not the scariest zombie thing that we will meet by the end of the show. But up to this point, it's it's up there. Yeah, pretty scary. It's uh, mauling and killing red shirts. I think there's a couple of them. What are there two of them? Yeah, there, this is one of the things, too, that I think that this episode gets knocked for a little bit is, you know, there's so much focus on the main characters who are on this expedition. Thoros is going to die, but like kind of like a chump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a bunch of red shirts who you don't even really realize are even on the trip. Yeah, they really stay to themselves. You know, these I think they're just like random free folk who just like get <laughs> massively murdered. Yeah. For no real reason. <laughs> Here for a suicide mission of their yeah. they're they're just to chum the waters for the whites. A little bit, because like you can't like go through this without losing some lives. It wouldn't be realistic, but we can't afford to lose anybody important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we've still got six episodes left to go. It's really critical that Jorah Mormont's still around for all of that. 
Yeah. Now, Thoros ends up getting mauled pretty bad here, um, but he does make kind of a miraculous recovery for a bit. Yeah, I I always remember the way that Thoros screams when he gets like hit by the bears. I'm like, ah, it's very it's very messed up. Yeah. Uh, and Barrack's going to use his flaming sword to uh, to cauterize the wound, which is like straight out of the Jack Bauer playbook. <laughs> yeah. But no, Thoros should have just been dead there. I don't like he did not go on to have like some other like poignant moment in the episode. Right. Um, I mean, he has this moment with Jorah where he's talking about the Siege of Pike. And, uh, you know, this is like the reason why Thoros has kind of been a legendary character uh, in Westeros, that he was part of this. Yes. Uh, he was part of the, you know, quelling the rebellion at the Iron Islands. And he like burst through Pike with uh, wild abandon and fought like no one had ever seen before. And Thoros... Uh, like I, I, it's not quite humble pie. Maybe it's like humble ale that he is drinking, where he's like, "Yeah, I was just very drunk. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just me being." We haven't drunk. gotten that from him before. I feel like that we've already uh, gotten that story. I don't know. I, I mean, we'd heard the story before of him fighting, but I don't remember Thoros himself ever like really like you know commenting on it himself. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten the story. Oh, he's a legendary drinker and was a drunk and then had this great two and two moment. Together. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. You can put two and two together. But I like I like hearing it from him. Uh, and then I think the thing that you do get from Thoros later on is, you know, when they're kind of sending him off, it's sort of uh, a little bit of a solidification of everybody, like understanding, like uh, the weight of it's what they undertake. And yeah, it's for real. It's real. It's, for real. it's, it's ha- happening, it happened. Thoros. It happened. Okay. Yeah. It happened. All right. So we go back to Sansa and Littlefinger and this is like uh, Sansa's like, oh, my God, what do we do? She knows Littlefinger. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are we going to do now? Yeah. And Littlefinger's like, oh, it's all going according to plan. Yes. Yes. And we didn't really talk this through, but Arya is uh, talking through what Sansa is scared of. And it's not that Jon is going to find out because Jon's an understanding guy. But what about these northern lords? How are they going to react if they read this note? And Sansa is trying to say, oh, I'm just I was just a little girl. Like, oh, are you going to tell that to Lady Mormont, who's younger now than you were when you wrote that letter? You think she's going to buy that? So you're going to lose this whole army. And that's that's what you're afraid of, which I don't know why Arya would be trying to force that issue either to get all of the northern lords to leave Winterfell. Yeah, and I think that Sansa, this is a little bit of much ado about nothing. First of all, Jan Royce is going nowhere <laughs> as much as we'd like him to. Yeah. You know, he's locked in. He's Team Sansa all the way. So if she expresses this news. He's going to be like, listen, you were a kid. Uh, we're here now. We're locked in. We've already made the moves. Like, we didn't go through the Battle of the Bastards for nothing. I think that the rest of the Northerners who've already agreed to fight beside wildlings are going to be like, look, that sucks that that happened. You were a kid. You're not a kid anymore. You are clearly Team Stark these days. You're clearly fighting against the Lannisters and fighting for the living. Uh, I wish that that hadn't happened, but we're like nine years removed from that Mm -hmm. at this point, you know, let's just move on. So the the whole thing is just a a little bit hollow and obviously will not stay. Now, 
is Littlefinger trying to set up here that, hey, maybe Brienne could be an ally for Arya. Best to figure out some errand to send Brienne on because Arya could go to Brienne and then Brienne could, uh, you know, uh, be somebody in Arya's corner where she has nobody else. I think all of this stuff from Littlefinger really just speaks to how much he's terrible uh, at at all of this. Like he talks about chaos being a ladder and everything, but in this case, like chaos is a sawed ladder. Uh, like Kevin McAllister, like sawed the ladder, and uh, I should say Kevin uh, McLannister uh, sawed the ladder, and it's just it's gonna fall apart. Like there has to have been a straighter shot here than like coming up with the letter, reproducing the letter getting Sansa to be mad at Arya and Arya mad at Sansa and we got to send Brienne away because she could be a problem there's just there's no better way to take care of the Arya deal than the way you're going about it uh but he he underestimates the Starks and it's his undoing so it's I don't know it's all it's all kind of dumb to be honest (laughs) to be honest it's just a little dumb all right so uh jorah and uh thoros uh, that is when they have their conversation as uh they are uh you know uh hiking up to the place where they are going to see a few of these uh soldier uh, white soldiers uh walking yeah. around yeah they find the white walker and they fight the white walker and they fight the whites and john uh taking a page straight out of hard home he's able to shatter one of the white walkers into oblivion with one swing of long claw uh which i think is instructive towards the future right and we're gonna get later on in the episode two where barrack's like maybe you just gotta kill the night king and everyone will drop it's like oh okay so now i know how game of thrones is gonna end they're Mm -hmm. gonna kill the night king and the white walkers will all be deceased like that you know take that to the bank bet big money on that that's gonna happen that's how that's how they're gonna deal with the white walkers eventually they gotta kill the night king night king dies this problem goes away yeah. uh you know good good to know uh but they also they're able to like bag one of the whites they're able to to put a hood on on the on the white and lock him up and bind him uh but they they didn't gag him in time because this thing is screaming to high heaven. Yeah. And now, everybody else can hear. John kills the one White Walker and then all of the whites around collapse, except for this one. This was like the one like rogue stray that this particular White Walker didn't turn. I guess. Mm-hmm. They're very lucky, huh? Yes. Okay. So he was one of these things was not like the others. And I mean, I think that that's a little strange. How how hard could it have been to just like have all of the the whites uh, here get killed? The battle, the commotion is enough to draw what happens out anyway. And they wind up in the frozen ice lake. And at some point in that battle, they can't like hog tie a white. Maybe that would have been better. I don't know. Uh, don't don't ask me to write yeah. the show. Uh, okay. I should not. I should not be in charge of these decisions. So yeah, that, that one, sounded bad as I was articulating. It. The one that they capture starts shrieking. I like it when the hound like tries to like cover its mouth and it bites him. Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess it's not Walking Dead rules because so far the hound has not turned. He has not turned, and uh, we start hearing a big noise. Sounds almost like an avalanche is coming, but no, it is the army of the dead. Yeah, they're on the way uh, and it's bad news and they really need they're going to need an assist. Uh, They're going to need to to get word out 
to Daenerys. And so they send Gendry on, on the errand because he's, he's the fastest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gendry, run for it and leave that hammer. Leave that war hammer with us. Tormund just really wants the hammer. He really wants it. He really wants it. Yeah. I know a lot was made at the time about the uh, Gendry running back to Eastwatch. Didn't bother me that much here. It doesn't bother me that much. You know, life is hard. There's a lot to be miserable about. I'm choosing not to be miserable about Gendry getting to Eastwatch really, really fast, sending a raven really, really quickly, yeah. Daenerys receiving the raven, having enough time to like suit up into like a very elaborate snowsuit and fly her dragons from Dragonstone, which is basically King's Landing, all the way beyond the wall, all within the span of what do you want to call it? 48 hours, 72 48 hours. It, I think it's, it's generous. I mean, you I want to call it. I, you know, I, mean, I think the show presents it as uh, like maybe they are on the ice patch like overnight, maybe like 10 or 12 hours. I like, you know, I, they don't give you enough information. I think that it like, never you turns could, dark, but it might be like one of these like Alaska situations where, you know, you're You're so far north that maybe it stays uh, sunlight. Yeah, there's they're shooting in Iceland, man. And I'll tell you. Yeah, that's that's what happens in those winter months in in Iceland is you get you get yeah. like uh, or I guess the summer months rather is where it's like it. You know, you saw the Al Pacino movie. <laughs> that's not Iceland, but it was daylight yeah. the whole flipping time. And Robin Williams was a psychopath. Yeah. So these guys are lucky Robin Williams isn't around. Yeah. Uh, so I actually bought Gendry running for two or three hours, you know, got back to I don't know how long they were on the march from like maybe they didn't get that far away from Eastwatch. They, you know, they were walking the whole time. If he's running, if he's by himself, uh, maybe he just, you uh, know, a shortcut that didn't bother me as much. But to get the Raven to Danny and then to get Danny up there, that does seem like that would take more time. Look, I mean, there, I'm I'm not going to defend it. I don't think that there's much of a defense. Uh, I'm I defending think, uh, Gendry running. Sure, 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 sure. I'm not I'm not coming after you. Relax. Every, everything's going to be fine. Everyone's going to be okay. Uh, you know, I I think not, that uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not everyone. Not a bunch of people. Some people are going to be pretty poor off by the end of this thing. Um, it's just I I can't I cannot be mad about it. I, I like if I allow myself to be mad about it, I will be mad about it and my life will have a source of agony that it does not need. So uh, I don't think it's great. I do maintain. I think that this is just like going through. It's like this or the dance of the dragons in season five is the worst penultimate episode of the show. Uh, and I give dance with the dragons a bit of a pass because hard home comes before it. And I think that that like has the energy of a penultimate. Uh, so I think that this is the weakest. And I think that this is part of the reason why is that there are some logistical loopholes that don't fully make sense. And I think that you could make the argument if you squint that sure they're out there for a week and they're super hungry and they're really, really cold. And the Night King and all of his people are just standing there watching for a week. Mm-hmm. Well, they have nothing else to do. I guess. Mm-hmm. But they're not even like sending one of their like thousands of expendable whites to like field test the lake. Yeah, they have to wait to see uh, a rock. The hound throw a rock, <laughs> you know? Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll, so we'll get to that. it's dumb if you allow yourself to get mad at it. Yeah. But I'm... I'm really trying not to, but it's uh, I find myself being tested in okay. this moment. 
So this is actually pretty cool when uh, they're, they're surrounded. They're sort of uh, they end up going out on this uh, sheet of ice and then the army of whites is surrounding them and they start walking. But then it ends up turning into like a moat of that. The ice is cracking all around them. So they're on sort of like this very small island of ice that kind of has like a, a like a rock protruding from it. And uh, they're just uh, set up there. They're stuck. Yeah, they're stuck. They're on the rock. Uh, it is a much smaller rock than the one featured in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's enough for them to camp out on for a little while. And it will be the last piece of solid ground Thoros of Mir shall ever touch. <laughs> yeah. So Gendry, he ends up, uh, he's running, running, running. He makes it uh, to Eastwatch. It looks kind of like he dies, but it turns out he's like uh, right in front of Eastwatch. Yeah, I think that's the end of Gendry for the season, if I'm remembering right. Okay, that's a wrap on Gendry. I think maybe you get to see him for a hot second in the finale. For a hot pie second coming up uh, in the season finale. We'll watch for that next week. All right, Uh, Gendry says, send a raven. So they do. Okay, get that raven out. Out the door. Hurry. Fly swiftly. This is when uh, we would be benefiting from future Game of Thrones. If they had cell phones. Mm-hmm. Be, yeah text the text right and this would that all would make be, sense yeah that would be really easy and then over on ice island uh the hound he's bored he's like he's like kicking the white yeah mm-hmm. he's like beating it up you know it's like hey, hey hound the whole mission was to get this thing back in one piece like let's not like uh you know hands off the merchandise Listen, he's very, uh, he's very antsy, very frenetic guy, Sandor Clegane. Hyper frenetic guy, the hound. And so they see Thoros now. He's gone. He's dead. He's dead. We better light him up because if they don't, then he's going to come back and we don't want that. Barrett yeah. gets to come back, but Thoros does not. <laughs> the hound says here, uh, oh, they say it's one of the better ways to go. To be mauled by a bear zombie? <laughs> or freezing to death. Which one okay. was it? Which is the okay. better way to go? Yeah. Look, I mean, I guess like the bear zombie's memorable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't any consolation for the hound when he showed up at that house that was uh, with the people that were uh, outside of uh, where the river run. The river yeah, run people, the like, Riverlands. Yeah. He's like, oh well, th- that's the way to go. Freeze maybe to he, death. Yeah, maybe he's just like trying to rewrite the narrative because he feels bad. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they're realizing uh, they're going to freeze soon. But wait, hold on. There is one other chance if Daenerys doesn't get to them. Somebody could kill the Night King. Yeah, this is Beric's theory. Hmm. He's like, that's the guy. Yeah. We got, we, 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 you know, we've killed a bunch of, uh, we killed a White Walker. All the zombies dropped. If we kill the Night King, maybe they all drop. And, uh, uh, you know, A, yes, right? I mean, are we on the same page? Like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And that's like, that's going to happen, right? Like you're going to see the night King get like, like dragon glassed in the nose or whatever. And And then we go super wide shot for like, uh, from above, like, yeah. And like all these other people who have like, they're in like, they're cornered and near death situations and suddenly they're okay Mm -hmm. because the night King's dead and all of his peeps are dead. That's happening. Some, some version of that is happening. So a yes, B, I still just don't get like how everyone knows so much about the night King. They're like, Oh, that's the night King. (laughs) Who told you that? (laughs) 
Who said Night King? Beric Thundarian took a tour one time of uh, Beyond the Wall. And they, uh, I guess. Showed now, I guess. what episode? Okay, I know you've posted about run times for season six. Josh sure. Wiggler, Game of That's Thrones me. expert for THR. What episode of the uh, series? I'm going to go with the penultimate. F- episode five. Yeah, I think I think the finale will be some sort of like May 12th. Ext- I think like the finale will be like some sort of extended epilogue type of deal. Okay. Where like, well, that'll be like character resolution and Westeros resolution. And I still feel like I can imagine the White Walker thing getting dealt with and then Cersei being like, ah, I think you're right on that. I agree. You guys suck. You guys suck. You should have been worried about me. And now you're all tired. And here I am. I got the golden company and you're screwed. There's no emotional stakes to the Night King. Uh, None that we really have yet. Um, you know, maybe that'll change. The actor did give uh, an interview to to James Hibbard uh, of Entertainment Weekly and said, like, we'll find out a little more about the Night King and how he's got like an enemy in his mind. Like there's someone he's after. So there's like some hmm. motivation for this character ops. that. Yeah, he does. Uh, Something, something smoke. Uh, Yeah, so we'll we'll see who his ops is. I would assume it's Bran. Uh, Because if it's Jon or if it's Daenerys in this episode, the Night King has like the clearest shot at both of them. We'll we'll, we'll get there. We'll get get there. So, yeah. Um, So we're going to go back to Winterfell. We have a scene with Sansa and with Brienne. And Sansa has gotten an invitation to appear before Cersei. And she tells Brienne she wants her to go do it. And Brienne is like, oh, but didn't I just do this for you last season when I had to go run an errand to go to River Run? She's like, do it again. Uh, get, get out of my sight, Brienne. Yeah. She really means to Brienne. Sansa's falling right into little fingers, little trap at this mm-hmm. point. Yes. I, I guess. I guess she is. Uh, yeah. No other. Re- no other explanation. OK. Go I to, think at this point. Yeah, I think at this point she's buying it. Go to King's Landing. What, is this just so Brienne can be there when everybody is in King's Landing next week? I think it's to like kick out Brienne no, so that she doesn't I get, I get feel, that, but okay. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. for the show's perspective of we just want Brienne to be there when everybody else is there. I think that they should have allowed Brienne to go on this mission north of the wall. I think that would have been fun. Yeah, but that been cool. and all that uh, sexual tension with Tormund would have melted that ice sheet. Yeah, but then and she could have just like kicked the crap out of him and it would have been like very, very satisfying and funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whatever. I mean, I think that would have been an easier way than to have to go through this whole uh, Arya Sansa rigmarole that we <laughs> end right. up going through. Tyrion is with Danny. He is imploring her to not go and do this. Uh, this is quite a reversal from Danny, who was bemoaning earlier in the episode about all of these guys who are heroes. They go out and they do they, have, they go do dumb stuff and they lose their lives, have trying to be a hero and save the day. And now here is Danny being put in that very situ- same situation, and she is the one going out. And Tyrion is like, "No, no, no! Don't do this! This is crazy." Yeah, but it turns out that Danny, she is a Jon Snow fan, so mm-hmm. she's, she's got to go. She got to go save her boy. Got to go get her boy. Okay, all right. Tyrion says, "If you're lost, we'll all die." Yeah, we lose everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Meanwhile, time has passed, 
an hour, a day, a week, who knows? 7,000 years have yes. passed. The hound is getting so bored that he is uh, throwing rocks. Uh, somehow there are rocks here on uh, this frozen lake. Well, and they're on a giant rock. So I assume that I don't know, I guess. there could be rocks on the boulder. I guess so. And bits of boulder. Boulder mm, bits. And so the hound is just going to start throwing rocks. Does a, a you know a, a really good job. It's got a, a a great arm here on this first throw. A regular really, Chris Noble really war dogs the second throw and yeah, uh, comes hound. up. Wait, wait, are, are you dog? Are you the dog? <laughs> the You're dog. the one they call the war dog. <laughs> and uh, comes up way short. And uh, then the rock slides across to the white, who then, uh, with deductive reasoning, says, "Oh, if this rock can slide across the ice, maybe I can." I just, I do, I do feel myself getting a little worked up. Mm-hmm. Of like, why didn't you just send some of these people it's out fine. there? It's fine. Who cares? Who cares? <sighs> I'm trying, trying. Usually you don't get hung up on the details I know. like this. I just like this. Well, I, 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 I just this is like a role reversal. I, it does feel a little bit that way. It's just kind of dumb. It's just a little dumb. It's like it's, it's not even just that it's like logistically weak and weird. It's just like. It's just narratively a little dumb. There wasn't a better way of telling this story. I don't know. I'm trying not to get mad. I'm trying not to get mad. The fighting's cool. Look, here comes look, the fighting. Uh, that here, here's, what, I guess, where I'm, I'm not getting hung up. That this whole thing is a cool set piece. Uh, it's right, you know sure, uh, sure, interesting sure, sure. setup. I haven't seen this before in a show or a movie where people are trapped on sure, ice. Sure. And, you know, that uh, people are trying to get, get through like the ice is going to crack. I feel like that this was a unique setup. They're stranded there. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, the presentation. On sure. This. Sure. OK. But now things are really going to heat up because now everybody's coming across the ice. Fit hits the Shan. Mm-hmm. And it is it is battle battle royale time uh, where there's all sorts of sweet fighting happening. And uh, there, there's like Gendry's hammer is being used. And Jorah, uh, who is a master swordsman for some reason, is using these two dinky dragon glass daggers. But it kind of looks cool in his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, John's got long claw. There's all sorts so of so many fighting. red shirts are dying. They're dying. John still gets one of them straight up killed. He like accidentally knocks into one of these guys like, oops, I'm so sorry. And then the guy falls oh, in. Oh, just it's just ripped, a red shirt. Uh, ripped, ripped to bits. Mm-hmm. Ripped to bits. Uh, uh, Tormund like, getting almost dragged yeah, to death. Tormund looked like he was going to go out there. I think I remember in the, in the real time, I think I thought, oh, Tormund's going to die. Yeah, and I think I, I've certainly, uh, I've, I've written this into the, the Tormund final path that I am going to be posting at some point in the next couple of weeks on THR. Uh, if not, uh, have said this on the podcast. If I haven't said it on the podcast, I feel like Tormund is like the safest person in Game of Thrones now. Wow. I feel like, I, I feel like if, if Tormund didn't die in this moment where he would have had one of the most memorable deaths of any character, like he would have been like the freaking Noah of Game of Thrones. That was the guy's name, right? Back in Walking <laughs> Dead. The revolving door, dude. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of deaths ago. 
Yeah, you know, but that was a memorably gross death. Like, that's almost what they gave to to Tormund. Like, they almost gave him the private Hudson from Aliens treatment, which Mm -hmm. was like a really memorable death from that movie. Uh, Sorry, spoilers for Aliens if you haven't seen Aliens, but it's a really great movie. Season five. I know, Paul. I didn't specify Walking Mm -hmm. Dead, but you just did. Uh, They could have done that, and they didn't do that. And then he's at the wall at the end of the season when the wall falls, but the trailer straight up shows Tormund still kicking. So if I he didn't die here and if he doesn't fall in the wall Tormund's never gonna die and he's also the only wildling that we know anymore Mm -hmm. and if there was so much ado about getting the wildlings out of beyond the wall and into the realm and if there is you know this undercurrent of um you know an argument in favor of putting aside your enmities and fighting for the living and not being so, uh, you know, uniformly afraid of the concept of a refugee in the form of the wildling storyline. I feel like you can't kill the only wildling, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that Tormund is my safest pick for, uh, Game of Thrones. Okay. All right. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's a, it's a really good one. I think that we should add, uh, to a potential death draft of season seven. We have to do a safe draft. Yeah. We've got, we've got prediction, uh, podcast coming up at some point in the next couple of weeks. So we've got time. Okay. All right. Then we are going to, uh, see things really slow down. Things are getting bleak. We're going, we're going slow-mo. Are we at 60 frames per second? I don't know. I wasn't counting. But things are really slowing down. And and this is how you know things are getting tense in any action movie. The slower things are going, that means uh, there's a lot happening. Yeah. And it's the perfect time for uh, a deus ex dragon cut, (sighs) which I believe. Whoa, Whoa. fire. Whoa. What, What was that? That was the dra- that was Drogon's fire. Do you have Drogon on standby? That was amazing. Whoa! You could, like feel the dragon breath on your face from this side of the mic. Right, I'll chew some gum before the next podcast. Yabba dabba do. Please do. <laughs> Smelly. Okay, the dragon fire is coming across and uh, like luckily, you know, it doesn't just completely uh, melt the ice that they're standing on. Ice meet fire, fire meet ice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm I've been fairly cynical uh, in this stage of the episode, but this is freaking cool. It's very cool to see dragons versus White Walkers. That's the that's what we've been waiting for for so long. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to it's going to continue to be awesome every time we see this uh, this clash. Uh, But the Night King, he ain't scared. No, he's not. And so he's sort of like, uh, you know, loosening up his arm in the bullpen. He's got his ice javelin and we see in the shot and the camera is like behind the Night King. And he's got like the easiest shot on Drogon. Drogon, yeah. And Drogon is just sitting there. They're getting and they're like loading in Drogon. Everybody's, you know, uh, looking for a place to put their carry on on Drogon. Like he's right there. Drogon is right there. And uh, Night King instead is going to go and hit the moving target. Viserion, who's flying around in the sky. Uh, is the Night King just showing off here, Josh? What's he's happening? He's flexing. It's a flex. It's a weird flex, but Okay. Yeah, he's flexing. I mean, this is the guy who just like threw up his arms at Hardhome and was like, come at me, bro. 
could have come for Jon Snow there too. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that this guy is able to to just like with pinpoint accuracy shoot a dragon out of the sky. Yeah. He clearly could have done that to Jon Snow back in the day. Mm-hmm. Didn't didn't care to. He's gonna kill Viserion here, because uh, he can. I think it's just a, a display of dominance and I think it's a full disregard for the threat level of everybody else where it's like, you guys can stay alive. That's fine. I'll I'll kill you soon. This is this is easy. Yeah, it's too easy to 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 kill you. Muy facile, as uh, one of the cousins would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel you know, just like just just shoot the guy. Don't go for the axe. Yes, uh, yes. Where is Scott gonna... Evil of the Night yeah. King? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe you wanted the dragon with the freaking laser beam on its head. Yeah, uh, that's Viserion. Okay, let, let me give the Night King some credit here. Is it possible he needed a dragon? But the, for whatever reason, the Night King's purpose, he needed John and Danny to get out of there with Drogon. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's there's some uh, greater idea that he has that involves John and Danny, I suppose. Hard to see what that would be, but um, not off the table. But I think more likely this has been an episode that is a little wobbly and weird. Mm-hmm. And so this is just like a kind of another like wobbly and weird move and no one likes Viserys. So no one likes Viserion. And so that's the dragon mm-hmm. you can stand to lose here. Yeah. Or at least the one that uh, translates most easily to becoming an evil dragon. <laughs> so very sad Viserion. Uh, he crazy. gets yeah. ripped down from the sky, ends up crash landing into the water, sinks down into the ice is like, uh, you know, blood gushing out a uh, super sad moment in this episode. Really, really sad. Uh, it's it's a very intense scene. It's done very well. Uh, it's shot very well, both the lance and the scene. Um, and the the horror is palpable in terms of the impact on the characters. Uh, the impact on the viewer like really helps to stress the idea that like wow, taking on the the White Walkers is gonna be uh, that's gonna be tricky. That's mm-hmm. gonna be that's gonna be a deal. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's a really good scene. But Jon Snow. He feels like he has a straight shot for the Night King. And similar to Jamie Lannister a couple episodes ago, when Drogon was uh, a sitting duck, sitting dragon, like, I mean, like he is absolutely right now at this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Jon Snow feels like, hey, I could end the war right now. I could end the war. And he is going to. Make a beeline for the Night King. But similar to Jamie, who ends up getting knocked out of the way by Braun, then two red shirt whites and white shirts uh, just like tackle John and knock him into the ice, into the water. He's in the lake mode. Lake Mm. mode snow. Yeah. Lake effect snow. Lake effect snow. Oh, God. You dealt with some of that at school, right? It's us. We got, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was all the rage in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, Josh. So Jon Snow, he says to Danny before he go, go without me. Just yeah. get out of here. Leave. My Uncle Benjamin will be here for five seconds. I'll be fine. Yeah, don't worry. Okay. So Danny takes him up. She leaves. She gets the hell out of there. Jorah almost falls off Drogon. Yeah, Night King almost throws the thing at Drogon, but they are able to GTFO, so it's all good. Yeah. He had such a clear shot before. 
Yeah, he's nice showing chain. off. Yeah. Weird flex. But I mean, like, he, he could have he also, like, thrown that at Drogon and then thrown, like, a bunch of mini lances at each individual on Drogon, and that also would have been impressive and would have killed more people. So if he was going to flex, that may have been the most impressive flex he could have done. Okay. So Jon Snow flex. somehow gets out of the uh, incredibly f- cold water. Yeah, and like Longclaw is out on the thing, and then when he splashes up, it looks like Longclaw opens his eye, mm-hmm. and me and all the other Jon Snow eye conspiracists, uh, conspiratorialists, I don't know. Conspirators? Um, conspirators was the word. That's the word. I'm an English major, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's like, whoa, what does that mean? But it's just some water getting on the eye. And it, it makes it look like the White Rangers sword from Power Rangers, which is kind of funny. Yeah. John gets up and here comes old Uncle Benjamin. And he says, Uncle Benjamin. And Uncle Benjamin says, yo, <laughs> what up? And John's like, yo, long time. And Benjamin's like, yeah, I can't talk to you about that. Get out of here. Yeah. And Jon Snow is like, oh, my God, it is so crazy that you're here because the one time I got killed, they told me like that you were here. Oh, do you think he was like kind of there's like some resentment with Uncle Benjamin? Like, yeah, I, I died for you. Like, all right, well, I'm about to die for you. Go get out of here. Yeah. Do you think that John will ever believe that Uncle Benjamin is dead even after <laughs> all of this? It's just oh, like, yeah. you know, like, fool okay, me once. Fool me once. <laughs> yeah. All right, so John's going to get on the horse, and he's going to ride for Eastwatch. Yeah, and Uncle Benjamin with his swinging, flaming fire thing is going to get—he's going to get mobbed <laughs> by yeah. all of these things, and that's it. That's, that's just it the end Uncle of Benjamin. The Benjamin. That's fine. Thing. That's enough, Uncle Benjamin. I guess it just—it does just like worry me that like sometimes like the, do you know do David Benioff and Dan Weiss feel like they just have to kind of like solve a game of thrones thing because they feel like a compulsion to solve it and is it just going to be done as kind of uh you know just haphazardly as the as the benjin resolution Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i think you might be more invested in uncle benjin from the books i think that's likely Mm -hmm. uh but i think it's one of the little to no investment on uncle benjin Sure. But I, I think that it's one of those lingering cliffhangers that a lot of people who did read the books were very interested in knowing what the resolution to that is going to be. And I imagine it'll be different from what we got here. Uh, if but it lucky. just makes. Yeah, if we're lucky. It, it, well, even if we're not, then I guess that's a different resolution is the mm-hmm. lack of one. Uh, it just makes me wonder about, you know, the 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 uh, the creative thinking behind other resolutions still to come. OK. All right. So we go back to Eastwatch. Uh, there's another really funny line here where um, Beric says to the Hound, uh, we'll meet again, Clegane. And uh, the Hound says, uh, I effing hope not. <laughs> I flipping hope not. I love the Hound. I love the one they call the dog. <laughs> okay. Um Interesting. Would you say this, is this foreshadowing all these dragons flying over Eastwatch here in this uh, the, the exteriors for this? Sure. Yeah, we could say that. Let's say it. Yeah, because we are one episode away from another dragon flying uh, by Eastwatch. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I mean, we we'd been saying it in the podcast leading up to it, but the the gigantic crossbow obviously foreshadowing the the ice lance that the Night King is able to use to take down Viserion. So. Good job, Game of Thrones. You did it. 
Mm-hmm. Jora is trying to get Daenerys like, uh, all right, come on, Danny, time to go. I mean, I don't know what hope she had that Jon Snow was going to make it out. I mean, it's the miracle of all miracles that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they saw him fall in the water, right? Yeah, but she herself has fallen quite hard for the King of the North. And mm-hmm. She's not ready to give up just yet. Yeah, maybe she has some sort of like a sixth sense out there that uh, she's like, I feel like my nephew is alive. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but they did a lot more than just like the the kiss in the the hoth medic bay mm-hmm. so yeah very yeah. awkward very awkward so, indeed john snow is going to uh end up somehow not falling off this magical horse and ends up making it to the gate uh shades of the season four finale of game of thrones yeah that's right Less or arrows in him this time. John rides back to Castle Black. Fewer, yeah. fewer arrows. Yeah, and he's back. He's fine. He's okay. And they're yeah. going to get him on the boat and mm-hmm. on the boat. And in that like, time, he uh, is uh, injured from his love interest here, uh, riding back to his love interest. How about that? Yeah. Because he does know something. Yeah. So they get him on the ship and they take off his shirt because why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And... It's hypothermia. Put put his shirt back on. Oh my God. Look at the thing. He's got the scar on his chest. I'm pretty sure that when he said he got stabbed in the heart, it wasn't a joke. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure that's legit. Okay. All right. Um, Hey, meanwhile, time to go back to Sansa and Arya. (sighs) (laughs) So, uh, okay. Sansa is snooping through Arya's stuff for she wants to get the hard copy of that letter back yeah okay all right I mean, so. she's already seen it i mean i don't know what, what that's gonna do uh but okay so she's gonna break into the watergate hotel and to get these uh documents back now from aria and instead she finds oh what's this mission impossible masks <laughs> and aria shows up she's like ah you see my faces do you like them yeah, Take the faces. Should have read your Doug Ray Scott over there with all of her bag of faces. <laughs> and then I uh, had I, I got chills when Aria said, "So Sansa, do you want to play the game of faces?" Like, no, no more game of faces. <laughs> Triggered. Triggered. <laughs> Never. Oh my god, this is like you emerging from the shadows of the Death Star to just like rage lightsaber this storyline. Oh my god, you've let your hate consume you. Oh, the game of faces. Yeah. If you will not play the game of faces, then perhaps she will. No! Uh, so Arya is doing does a lot of monologuing in this episode again. Uh, when remember Sansa, when we were younger, we both wanted to be other people, but now I can. Uh, yeah. What would it be like to be you? What would it be like to wear your face? Like, yeah. all right, Psycho. It's definitely weird. It's like I want to know what your face is like. Tell yeah. me more about your face. Yeah, it's like oh god, very very Hannibal Lecter Jr. over right. here. But then Arya takes that cat's paw dagger and like she's like holding it like in a menacing way and then she just hands it to Sansa. Yeah. She's like, like do it. Come Get it done. Me. Whatever. Yeah. 
And I was like, nah, I'm just going to let you like think about how creepy all of this Please, is. Never, never make me play the game of faces. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go back to John and Danny. And uh, John is saying, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry. I wish, I wish we never did this. I w- and that did get me thinking like, yeah, this plan was dumb. Why did they do this? This was bad. all to go north of the wall. All this loss of life. We lost Viserion. All, all to get a White Walker to bring to Cersei. So Cersei will agree to the armistice. That you're going to blow anyway. <laughs> like it wasn't even like <laughs> to win the war or to kill the Night King. I forgot that this was all just to get the thing to go to bring to Cersei as exhibit A so that they can have an armistice when they could just go and destroy Cersei with the dragons. Just the, I, yeah. Yeah. Just destroy. Yeah. 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 So Daenerys is like, no, no. I had to see it. I had to see it. If I didn't see it, I wouldn't have known. And now I've seen it. And now I know. Now I know. She's taking it rather well, to be honest. Yeah. So I do think this was really interesting, though, that uh, Daenerys talks about how uh, the dragons are my children. And they're the only children that I'm ever going to have. And I started thinking about this because, you know, there's uh, so much talk in Game of Thrones about Cersei and the break that she has when she loses her children. And much like Daenerys, Cersei also had three children. And I feel like that really the start of Cersei's major uh, homicidal psychotic break, I think, starts to really take shape when she loses Joffrey. And I think that she's, uh, you know, more and more inconsolable and more and more out of control as she loses more of her children. And I wonder, is it possible now that Danny has lost Viserion could she lose a second dragon and could this push Danny more in the Mad King slash Cersei Lannister direction? Or would she be the opposite example, right? Of like she's able to kind of rise above the grief and rise above the tragedy. And it's like through these fires that she demonstrates why she actually is worthy for the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would be more inclined to think that's the direction we're going with Daenerys. I think Daenerys uh, is, you know, a hero with an occasional mean streak, uh, you know, rather than some hero who's going to to careen towards full villain. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see that for her in the so. following episode next week. I, I don't think that she is really like, uh, all, you know, on tilt, uh, after the loss. No, of the she's like fairly, you know, she takes it reasonably well. I mean, she's obviously upset here, uh, but she's, she's like straight business. She's less emotional than John, you know, John, who's, you know, going to make this like, I have to stick to my morals decision. And Daenerys is like, you idiot. Mm-hmm. Dude, my dragon died so that we could do this. Just totally fuck it up. Uh, you know, she's the, she's the one who's like all about staying the course. Yeah. Uh, so now going back to the conversation that they're having, uh, that John is uh, telling uh, Daenerys that, you know, that uh, she is his queen. He would bend the knee if he could, if he could get out of this bed. You know, that's it's like a real like a uh, grandpa Joe from if like if I could only get out of this bed, there's so many things I could do. Uh, I never <laughs> thought that I would find the Night King and his white walkers. And suddenly I can't kneel because I've been 
given hypothermia. I don't know. I got the golden company. I've got a Valyrian ticket. <laughs> so he says, I, but I would bend the knee if I could. She's like, yeah. oh, would you? Yeah. That's so nice. You're such a good guy. And it's all because like, he's embarrassed that he said Danny. He's like, oh, no one calls her Danny. I got to think of something really good to make up for that. Yes. Uh, should I call her my queen? Yeah. But going back to earlier in the episode, there's a moment where John is talking to Tormund. And uh, John talked about how that he would not bend the knee. And uh, Tormund talked about how, you know, you spend too much time with the free folk. You don't like bending the knee. He says, Mance Raider was a great man, a proud man. The king beyond the wall never bent the knee. How many of his people died for his pride? And I think that that stuck with John. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Tormund spouting out the wisdom. Some I think like Tor- Tormund like setting the stage though for a for a run at the at the Iron free throne. folk. Yeah, the, I don't know about the Iron <laughs> Throne, but he's like, I really want to be king of the free folk. Mm, yeah. I really, I really would like that spot. I would like it for it to not just be a ceremonial. Yeah. I also like it's a little self-serving when he talks about like, oh, finally, I can breathe again. Craster? Uh, I don't know. They all have the same gravelly voice. Uh, I miss Craster. And uh, I've got 99 (laughs) votes for Tormund. (laughs) So the Tormund is like, uh, I can't breathe uh, in the South. Uh, And John is like, you've never been to the South. You've been to Winterfell. It's the North. It's the, the South to me. It's the South to him. Yeah. It's the South to him. Anyway, uh, Daenerys tells him, uh, get some rest. You got a busy uh, episode next week. Yeah, we're good. We'll have time. We'll have yeah. time. All right. Meanwhile, so. meanwhile, uh oh. See, and I feel like that we have this uh, big moment here at the end of the episode, which I feel like does uh, makes up for a lot here in this episode of somehow the whites uh, got these uh, maester chains going. They, uh, we don't know where they came from, but they got them. And it's they cool scene. drag. Viserion out of the uh, cold and icy waters. And the Night King's like, all right, you're my guy now. And Viserion wakes up and is like, cool, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe those are exact quotes from the end of this episode of Game of Thrones. We've got we've got an undead dragon on our hands, Rob. It's some scary stuff. OK. All right. And uh, Viserion is zombie Viserion. Uh, true chilling moment. No pun intended. It's cool. It, it's definitely cool. That that shot of Viserion's eye opening and it's just like White Walker blue is definitely a cool moment. And we a were really like, cool ah! moment. Yeah. And it's like, it's great. The Night King really needs another leg up. This mm-hmm. is good. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, that season seven uh, it's a little bit of like uh, the uh, Empire Strikes Back of seasons where uh, the bad guys really, you know, get a foothold uh, between uh, Cersei consolidating all of her power. The Night King uh, really knocks down the wall. Uh, the good guys are on the ropes. Yeah, that's kind of Game of Thrones, though. Like, I think Game of Thrones is like mostly Empire Strikes Back with like the occasional Ewok outburst. <laughs> yeah. It's typically bad bad news pretty much everyone's always frozen in carbonite we'll see Uh, especially north of the wall okay josh next time out we will record the final episode of the winter was here saga 
Wow. Are we going to abandon the winter was here branding when we get to the final season? I feel I like don't, so. don't we want to be completionists? Mm, in a couple of years, we can go back and watch the, these new episodes. All right. Well, maybe you guys tell us. I like I like it when you started an episode and you say winter was here and mm-hmm. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to say, say, gonna say Game of Thrones no. season eight premiere is over. And then, uh, and then we'll talk. And it'll be fine. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm sure it'll sound fine. All right. Josh Wiggler is uh, pumping out all the Game of Thrones information that you need to know over at THR.com slash Game of Thrones. So much happening over there. What's the, what's the, what's the, the latest and greatest? So the latest is uh, the most recent Final Path column, which is uh, the, the weekly columns I've been doing that have been looking back at the main characters of Game of Thrones and giving final predictions for where I hope uh, and think they may be going in the final season. Uh, I, I wrote about the dog, uh, Sandor Clegane, as my most recent edition of Final Path. Sunday, you're going to be uh, you're going to be getting my takes on Brienne of Tarth. Again, that those posts at uh, 945 a.m. East Coast time on Sundays, but then Rob, this weekly column is going to transform, much like Viserion turning into an ice dragon. These weekly columns are going to become daily. What? Reading daily? We have so many characters to get through with Final Path that's starting. Dude, get out of here. I will not, starting with the Brienne Final Path this coming Sunday, every day from then until the Friday before the premiere will be a new Final Path. So I've been writing fast and furiously, much like the movie franchise that Tormund Giants Bane briefly appears in uh, about these Game of Thrones characters, and I invite you to, uh, to check it all out. And then next week, Rob... We'll have one more episode of Game of Thrones Season 7 to talk about, and we will officially be in the full ramp up for the final season of this majestic television series. All right. Crazy. It's all happening Crazy. here on Post Show Recaps. Check out our Walking Dead recap as well with Jessica Lease and myself, all at postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. 